Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festivities festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, wrestling friends. Welcome to another edition of the Sportster Show, brought to you by thesportster.com. My name is Jim Parsons. We're going to have Norman Quarantine join us in a second here. This episode, we're going to be breaking down WWE Extreme Rules from Saturday, Monday Night Raw season premiere for Monday night. We're going to be talking the winners and losers. We're going to be talking returns, including Bray Wyatt, Brock Lesnar, the OC, Gallows, and Anderson. What's coming next for certain storylines in WWE? What were our best matches? What were our least favorite matches? We're going to talk both pay-per-views, walk through the winners and losers, and then uh, chat a little bit of wrestling All that on today's episode. Don't forget, if you're a fan of the show, we would appreciate if you downloaded, subscribed, and shared this with others. Go on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating. All of that is really helpful. So this is episode 27 of the Sportster Show, brought to you by thesportster.com. We're going to have Norman and myself, Jim, talking about Extreme Rules and Monday Night Raw right after this intro music and a word from our sponsor. Hey, you. Yes, you, passionate sports fan. If you'll give me less than 60 seconds, I want to tell you how you can start making as much as six figures per year and do it all around your passion for sports. Hi there, my name is Jim Parsons, and I know there are at least 14 different methods sports fans can use to start earning a solid income off of their love of sports. And I want to show you the system I've created that will start allowing you to profit from your love of the game and turn your favorite hobby into a profitable side hustle. Let's take you from being a hobbyist to a professional sports fan and show you how to make money in an industry you love. Go to sportssidehustle.com, that's sportssidehustle.com, and download my free startup guide. I'll explain to you the four fundamentals that you need to get started, and then show you where to go if you want to learn more. Hey, the athletes don't need to be the only ones making money off of sports. Go to sportssidehustle.com today, and let's get started. Hey there, everybody. Hello, Sportster friends. My name is Jim Parsons. I'm here with thesportster.com. As always, with Norman Quarantine on the other end, also with thesportster.com. We figured that one out last week that both of us work for thesportster.com. Uh, Norman, how are you? 
Hey, man. Sorry. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, so we're going to be chatting Extreme Rules here and Monday Night Raw because it is now Tuesday as we record this. Monday Night Raw and Saturday's Extreme Rules pay-per-view are in the bank. Let's start with Extreme Rules because it makes more sense to do that first and then talk about the follow-up on Monday Night Raw. Just overall, what did you think of that pay-per-view? It was one that we talked about without like real big stars, no Roman Reigns, no Cody Rhodes, no uh becky lynch uh they weren't on the card but it was still really good i thought it was one of the best pay-per-views of the year what'd you think mm, i wouldn't go i i well you know what? i can't even really remember i'd have to like actually sit and think about uh where it ranks on the uh list of of top wwe pay-per-views of the year i i remember i was a little bit underwhelmed i'm not gonna lie um i did uh, there was a lot of stuff that i really liked about it but i think overall i was just slightly underwhelmed um but then they did kind of um it's i mean it it was memorable you know we'll we'll get to it it was it was ultimately very memorable sure i mean we'll take the matches one by one and that way uh when i say why i loved it and you say why you're underwhelmed a little bit it'll make sense so let's talk about the brawling brutes and the imperium match uh called the good old-fashioned donnie brook it was a six-man tag where kind of no rules uh everything goes tons of stuff surrounding the ring can use whatever they want to I thought this was, you know, tailor made for the brawling brutes in terms of the type of match. Uh, Imperium's more of a in-ring technical group, whereas the brawling brutes just like to fight. So this was more up their alley. Brawling brutes get the win here, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, Giovanni Vinci takes the pin here, and I think there was some concern for me last week. Well, how do you have, you know, you don't want Gunther losing, uh, things like that. I thought this match was great, an awesome way to kick off the card. Really set the tone for the rest of the pay per view. Lots of action, lots of fun. A uh, big physical fight. I thought, man, that was a good decision to have these guys go first. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was great. I, I really loved this match. I thought this was probably the match of the night, in my opinion. I think that it was, um, yeah, I think it was a smart decision. This is this is the kind of match that you want on first. Uh, the issue for me, and we'll get to it when we talk about the other matches, is that, like I said, this was the best match of the night, and and so nobody else was really able to top to top it, in my opinion, and. Uh, yeah, but like I said, really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing what, what happens next. I guess we have to wait till SmackDown, but yeah. Yeah, the SmackDown's going to be loaded. <laughs> this show that they're promoting here on Friday is going to be a very, very uh, big show for two hours. The second, not the season premiere, but the follow-up show from it. This was my second favorite match. Um, in terms of the in-ring stuff, uh, maybe my favorite, but when you add the element of the story in another match we're going to talk about here in a minute, you'll understand why I'm ranking this one second. But I I can see why you went first with this one. This was a really good match. Probably the weakest match on the card for me, even though I still liked it. I liked their booking decision. It wasn't perfect. There were things they could have done here a little differently that I would have been like, eh, was Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey wins the SmackDown Women's Championship. I want to say she dominates Liv Morgan, but there were times here where Liv tried to get in a little offense and did so for a bit. And that was really my only beef with this match was I thought it was smart to have Ronda Rousey just destroy Liv Morgan, have her come in and say, you know what? You wanted this. You asked for this stipulation. You got it. And now I'm going to cream you. And they didn't really go all the way with that. I thought, man, if you're going to do that, go all in, like just have her destroy Liv Morgan. Mm. And then when you've got the smiling Liv Morgan as she's passing out, uh, to the choke and then laughing at the end after she's lost her title. I'm thinking to myself, okay, that doesn't really make a lot of sense if you are fighting back, but if you just get creamed, if you just get destroyed, okay, this is intriguing. I'm still intrigued mm -hmm. by what Liz Morgan's going to do here, but Ronda Rousey is your new SmackDown women's champion. What did you think of this match? Uh, yeah. I mean, probably the worst match on the, 
on the card not not as bad as um as a lot of people on twitter seem to seem to think it was but yeah certainly not um not i don't think it was as good as as their other their other their other matches um yeah certainly the booking yeah i guess it makes sense to have rousey win especially if what we what people are speculating is going to happen with live does end up happening then this will end up being the right call ultimately um yeah and then i'm looking forward to seeing i mean ronda's just such a an interesting um wwe superstar because you know she's she does have star power she does have sort of mainstream appeal whether you like it or not and she's obviously she did take to the wrestling world very very quickly and it's hard having her on that on the roster it's it's hard because you know you can't there's not really anyone else you can have as champion while she's on the roster, you know, because it just doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. Well, yeah. And I mean, right now of the available women that they have wrestling, I totally agree with you because mm. you Becky Lynch coming back, she would be one Charlotte Flair coming back. She would be one. If Sasha mm-hmm. Banks were in the company, she would be one. Mm-hmm. Now do any of them really stand up toe to toe with Ronda Rousey in terms of like, MMA fighting and her background style and her, you know, real life ability to kick somebody's ass. No, but I think then in the world of WWE, they're on the same level, if not higher than Ronda Rousey. So I could see how they would be face to face. Liv Morgan never made sense for me in this equation. I thought it was nice to give her the title, but she never really ran with it. Like people were hoping she was the underdog here and Mm. it just never really caught on. Like people were supporting her, but they just didn't, it didn't work. And so right. uh, taking that title off of her, I thought was a smart decision. This whole laughing thing, whether it's a Harley Quinn direction that they're going with this or, you know, rumors of Bray Wyatt, which I don't think are true, but mm. uh, if that's where they go with this, then, you know, I think it's good to, to shake up this character a little bit. Like I said, for me, it was just not, it made more sense. Cause I don't see Liv Morgan. I called it on the last show where I was like, Hey, if she does a lot of crazy stuff, like she really goes out there and, Okay, but she didn't really do that. She just tried to hit her with a baseball bat and use a fire extinguisher on her and stuff like that. And Ronda just sort of laughed it all off. So uh, she got in some offense. It just wasn't really a contest. So yeah, it was not as bad as people are making it out to be, but it wasn't It wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Drew McIntyre, Kieran Cross. I thought this was okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, Kieran Cross is using a lot of Scarlet, so it's kind of old school heel stuff where the bad guy always uses the manager or the valet to get the upper hand here. Uh, I don't know that you need that necessarily with Karrion Cross. He's a big dude and mm-hmm. he should be able to do this on his own, but he doesn't seem to be able to do this on his own. He did pick up the win here. Um, so that's good for him. I suppose this was his first real big match in WWE. He's had a couple little smaller ones, but this was really his first chance to sort of shine. I thought he did. Okay. I didn't mm-hmm. love this match. Mm-hmm. It was physical though, with the strap, lots going on there. Mm-hmm. But again, Scarlett's helping him out. Maybe too much. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you think I'm wrong there? No, and uh, I mean, I guess maybe against McIntyre, you want to protect McIntyre a little bit. So I guess that makes sense. Like, I don't think Scarlett's going to help him out that much if he's, you know, up against, you know, like, no offense to Ricochet, but like a Ricochet or something. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, well, last week, last time we said that we needed a really big uh, performance from Cross. And I don't think we quite got that. I think they did just enough to to put him in the position that they want him to be in and to kind of rectify some of the mistakes that were made with his initial main roster run um but we still haven't quite had that that sort of star i just haven't seen that star making performance out of him in wwe just yet 
Yeah, no, he he came in with a lot of buzz, and I don't know that he's necessarily lived up to it. Not sure if that's his fault. Not sure if that's WWE's fault. Not sure exactly why he hasn't really risen to this star power. People were like, oh, my God, Karrion Cross is back. Oh, my God, they're going to push him like Karrion Cross instead of putting him in the stupid red Trojan gear. And then it just really hasn't gone anywhere since then. I mean, the biggest moment he's had so far in WWE was his debut. So it's uh, it's been a little bit of a letdown. I think there's still a lot of potential for him, but we'll see. He did pick up the win, which is good because that mm-hmm. moves him forward in a positive direction. I was surprised by this next one. Bianca Belair and Bailey, the latter match. thought the match was decent. Mm-hmm. Um, Bianca Belair really using strength and athleticism versus Bailey trying to outsmart her opponent and use weapons. And Bianca ran to the ladder and tried to climb up it a bunch of times at the beginning, try to end this match as early as possible. A little surprising for me, but the outcome was the real surprise. I thought Bailey was going to win this thing. Yeah. I figured that she would be the Raw Women's Champion. Damage Control would hold all the gold. Instead, and we'll talk about this a little bit on Raw. She has lost now two times in a row very quickly, Saturday mm. and Monday. And it looks like Bailey is going in this sort of direction that she's the leader of damage control. They hold the gold. She's frustrated because she keeps on losing. That's what I see happening here. I was surprised yeah. by this. Did you think Bailey was going to walk away with the title? Um, I wasn't surprised. I wouldn't say I was shocked. Like when 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 Bianca won, I was a bit like, Yeah, okay. You know, that that makes sense. Cause because of what we said last time about how, you know, she hasn't even she hasn't really had as in, in her reign as champion, she hasn't really had any sort of um, memorable pay-per-view title defenses. Not that, certainly not that many. And so she needed one um, for her reign to, her, you know, for this reign to mean mean anything. Um, so yeah, I wasn't super, super shocked. And yeah, I am intrigued to see where Bailey goes from, from here. Well, she laid out Bel Air on Monday's Raw after losing to Candice LeRae. So I think that feud is still ongoing. I don't know where Rousey's going to go. I think Shayna Baszler is the one that makes the most sense for me, especially if you're waiting for Charlotte to come back or whatever's right. happening with Banks and Naomi. Um, yeah, but I thought it was a, a good match. A uh, little surprised by the outcome. But again, you're right. Bianca Belair is a legitimate champion and her winning any match shouldn't really be a shock to right. people. Yeah. Uh, this was the best match for me. This next one. Um, okay. I didn't love the match. Like I didn't really love the whole referee. Like the referee was super annoying. He's constantly in there shoving the microphone in their faces. Even when you know, they're not going to quit mm. asking them if they're going to quit. And they're just trying to find different ways of creatively saying no. Mm-hmm. The match itself was, eh. but the second half of this, the equation, like everything that happened storyline wise, when Ray showed up and the rest of judgment day showed up and then Beth Phoenix got involved here we had talked about this on the last podcast. Like, how do you have edge lose? And I actually was arguing. I'm like, if edge loses here, I think it's good for him. They just got to find the right way to do it. Yeah. Because the judgment day can actually get him to say, I quit. That's a big win for them. Right. And that is what happened, but it happened way differently than I thought it was going to happen. I like this version way better. Like Mm. I thought this was really well done. Like Ray coming out and, and they kind of beat it on him. And then they go back to working on edge again. Then Beth Phoenix comes out to save the day and they Rhea Ripley starts hitting on uh, like hitting Beth and she hits her with brass knuckles, knocks her out. And then they make edge watch as they're about to concerto Beth Phoenix. So of course Mm. he's going to say, I quit. Like, absolutely. You want to save your wife. Yeah. Rhea Ripley levels her anyway. And so now we have, you know, edge and Beth maybe written off television Beth for out for sure for a while, but it sets up a Beth Phoenix and Rhea Ripley match, which I think is going to be awesome. Mm. It sets up edge coming back and getting retribution on Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. Probably not right away because of what we saw on raw here on Monday, but I really like this. I thought this was maybe 
outside of Jey Uso and Roman Reigns when they first fought each other and Jey was trying to get the, you know, the approval and the head of the family spot. That was really good storytelling to me. This might have been the best story that WWE has told in a long time. Like I thought this was extremely well-written and very well done. The match was, eh, but the story was awesome. And so right. that is why I'm giving it the, my match of the night, just because I'm including that in the equation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree with you. I, yeah, for the actual in ring stuff and actual like match, I've definitely preferred the opener, but um, this was the stuff, this, this, the stuff that happened around this match was definitely the most entertaining stuff of the night. I think it was really well done. Uh, it was kind of what we were talking about last week, what we wanted to see happen and what we thought needed to happen. And, and most of that did happen. And I did predict that uh, I, I thought Beth was going to get involved and that was going to be how um, how they were going to get Edge to, to quit. Because uh, also there's shades of, if you remember, when, um, I don't know, the, the way this match ended reminded me of when uh, Edge when Rollins was going to curb stomp edge onto the money in the bank briefcase or something. Right. And he had to get John Cena and John Cena had to reinstate the authority. Otherwise uh, Rollins was going to, was going to murder edge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there was some shades of that there. Um, I thought, well, what I, th- well, we, we talked about this in, in the work slack afterwards, immediately after this, Finn Balor was suddenly the biggest heel in the company, right. Other than Roman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like a short, yeah, they, they, they had, they made judgment day with all the stuff they did in this match. They actually made judgment day seem more formidable and more convincing than they ever, than they have been up until this point. And yes, yeah, so I thought it was all, I thought it was all really, really, really well done. I do think some of the momentum was a little bit lost by the things, stuff that happened on Monday, but I totally get why they did this stuff on Monday. We'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was really good. Well, the stuff on Monday, which we'll talk about, tied a lot of things together for me because I had questions leading into Extreme Rules. I'm like, why do they keep going after certain people? Right. And then it all started to come together on Monday. I What I really, really liked about this when you mentioned it was the ju- where Judgment Day has sort of taken a next step. There's not a single member of Judgment Day at this point that you don't hate. Like, right. you hate them all. And the, yeah. the boos and the jeers and the stuff from the crowd is so loud. It's so mm. good, right? It's just... There's very few stables or groups. Damian Priest, who a lot of people can't stand, and not because he's go away, he just because he's supposed to be a bad guy. He's the least hated of the four. Yeah. And that's perfect, right? Mm-hmm. When you have Dominic, every time he opens his mouth, that they boo the crap out of him. Finn is getting yeah. booed like crazy. Rhea Ripley is despised by a lot of people. It's perfect. Like it's exactly yeah. what you wanted for this group. And I think you're right. I don't think until they had this match at Extreme Rules were they really there yet. And I think they're starting to get there. Uh, Matt Riddle, Seth Rollins, the fight pit match. This might have been Ronda Rousey and Liv Morgan will be tied with me for this one. I didn't love this. I didn't Mm. think that this was, uh, I felt like it was a little rushed. I didn't love the feel of the fight pit in the really big environment, the neon colored platform, Daniel Cormier. We talked about him being involved. I thought he did a decent job. It wasn't as distracting as I was thinking it might be, but it wasn't great for me. And, he Seth Rollins taps out to riddle the high spot where he does. I don't know what it's called the floating bro or something where he jumps off the platform. And like, I thought that was a cool spot, but I sort of felt like the end just sort of came out of nowhere. Like it just mm. was like, just ended. And I was mm. like, Oh, that was interesting. So right. I never really got that big main event feel out of this. Like I was right. really looking forward to it. I thought it was going to be pretty cool. And it never hit that stride for me. Mm. Now Seth Rollins explained why he tapped out on Monday's draw. It logically makes sense. 
so he could fight for the United States Championship. But I just didn't love this. This was not um, yeah. my favorite. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't awful. It just yeah. didn't love it. Yeah, I agree. It was a little bit awkward. Um, crowd seemed a little bit a little bit dead for most of it. I thought. Um, I the yet the finish what you described. I agree. When I was watching it in the moment, I was like, "Oh, that came out of nowhere." But then when I rewatched it and when they showed the replay, it was pretty clear that they were telegraphing a finish. Mm-hmm. But it was only you know that's with the power of hindsight. It's just kind of weird. I, and, and I don't know if it's like sometimes I feel like it's a good thing when when the finish just kind of comes out of nowhere right and it isn't and it doesn't seem super super telegraphed um but yeah it certainly didn't get the reaction that they were that they were hoping for i don't think um maybe the i don't know if these two even really needed the fight pit element i guess because it's extreme rules i understand the need to put them in a gimmick match um i don't know that this really it really added that much to be honest um but yeah so yeah definitely definitely a little bit of a letdown and not not really a, a a super you know I mean, memorable, but not necessarily for the right reasons. Uh, main event. Yeah, no. Fight Pit to me, when I hear that name in my head, and I had admitted when we watched it, really never seen one of those matches all the way through. Mm-hmm. I'd cut in glimpses of the Riddle and the Thatcher match and stuff. But I was kind of like, I want it to be darker and smaller and more closed in. And mm-hmm. it didn't have that feel for me. The mm-hmm. one, there were two things that, I will say like, you're right in the finish. And I did talk about this on the Facebook live right after the pay-per-view. Somebody had said, Oh man, he tapped out so quick. I'm like, keep in mind that when he's throwing riddle around the cage, he's still in the hole. Like he's trying to get out of the submission at that point too. So while he's using riddle as a ramming him into the cage, he's trying to get out of the hole. So he'd been in it for a little while. So I get why he tapped out there. Uh, The other one, the spot that I was really kind of like, I was a little nervous was when he did the, what does the Rollins call that running throw that he does where he puts bu- the buckle bomb where he, yeah. he had yeah, riddle and bomb. he's on that platform and he throws him into the cage part. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, he's going to miss that platform. Cause he can't right. see anywhere. Like he does yeah. not know where he's walking. And I'm like, man, mm-hmm. if he steps off, they're both toast. Yeah. So I was very like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like when yeah. I was watching that, I'm like, well, this could go badly. It didn't. And thank God it didn't. But I was like, Ooh, that's not whatever. But uh, the mat and some people's theory on this one was that they intentionally made it not great because mm-hmm. of what came after with Bray Wyatt. I don't buy into that. Do you buy into that? Um, yeah, I don't know that it would have made a difference if the match was good to what happened next. <laughs> like if they just rushed it to kind of get people like eagerly anticipating what did come next. But mm. yeah, I don't know. It just didn't quite live up to it for me. But the mm. we talked about the match and the more and int- the most entertaining story was to me Finn Balor and Edge and the I quit stuff. The Bray Wyatt return was the thing that maybe I wasn't the most entertained by, but I was like totally on the edge of my seat watching this. Just didn't want to miss a second of whatever this was because I'm like, okay, so they've got the logo for Extreme Rules. They're going off the air. I'm doing air quotes for people that can't see me. Um, And they go, okay, are we? And the lights go off and Michael Cole's like, are we off? Like, are we still on the air? What's going on right now? And of course, with the whole world in his hands, everybody immediately knows, okay, this is Bray Wyatt what's happening and they start to show the live versions the human sized versions of the members of the firefly funhouse so they've got you know mercy the buzzard and they've got abby the witch and they've got you know huskus the pig and they're all over the stadium which they're doing to set up the entryway that riddle has just left and they're putting this door there so then they zoom to the door go up to the screen show the firefly funhouse with cobwebs as if it's been abandoned and you know desolate for however long they show the TV and a mask comes on and I can't hear most of what he's saying, but um, it is kind of talking about, you know, where he's been in his head and 
you know, these prisons and things. And then he, it comes back down to the door, door opens, big blue light shines through it, which I think is an ode to Brody Lee. And then Wyatt comes out with the lantern. It's got the mask on, rips it off and it is Bray Wyatt. So we're mm-hmm. getting Bray Wyatt. We're not getting the fiend. We're not getting, it doesn't look like the old eater of worlds. We're just getting a new version of Bray Wyatt. I thought this was really well done. I thought mm-hmm. the, the way that they constructed this and set this up. Now I have a million questions. Like I have no idea if the Firefly Funhouse people are ever going to show up again. I don't know if we're going to see a stable of these people and somebody underneath all these masks are going to present them. So I don't know what's going to happen here. And there's lots to talk about it because even behind like Abby, the witch, for example, there were two belts hanging on a railing and everybody's assuming that that's a hint that this person is a former women's champion. I don't know if any of that's true. I don't know if any of these people are going to show up on Friday Smackdown when Bray Wyatt's supposed to appear. One, what'd you make of that whole segment? And two, what do you think is coming next here? Um, so I don't want to be a downer. I did like it, right? I did mostly like it. Uh, I think that it may, I think it might have been a little bit over the top. Um, I think sometimes, yeah, I think sometimes a little bit of restraint uh, can go a long way. Um, maybe dragged on a little bit. Like I think by the time he got to like the fifth, uh, recitation of he's got the whole word in his hand. I was getting a little bit impatient. Um, I kind of I did think it was cool with the you know the the sort of people in costumes of Firefly Funhouse characters. I think the lore L O R E of of Bray Wyatt is all over the place and doesn't really hold you know it doesn't really hold any water if you actually sort of analyze it, think about it for more than like thirty seconds. Uh, but it's still you know it's fun. It's it's fun silly wrestling stuff. But yeah, that being said, I think there was actually a little bit too much going on here, uh, just with like all the yeah people in costumes and Bray's got like a new mask. I don't know that he needs a mask, especially if he's just going to take it off in any way. Uh, yeah, the door stuff, the smoke stuff. I just thought it, some of it was a little party city hokey to me. Um, but that being said, I'm very glad that he's back. I do think that he's very entertaining. Uh I do think that, you know, he needs, I also think that he needs to be maybe like reined in a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Cause like I said, like my favorite incarnation of Bray Wyatt was the more sort of stripped back, which was still over the top, but in, in a sort of enjoyable way and not in a sort of corny way. Yeah. Uh, the sort of more stripped back backwards cult leader vibe. Um, I do think so regarding your question about what I think happens next. I hope I am buying into some of the fantasy booking stuff. I do hope that he does have a new group a new family, if you will. I'm hoping that it's all NXT people. Uh, people pointed out that um, Mercy the Buzzard, the, 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 the anthropomorphized version of Mercy the Buzzard was dressed like Grayson Waller. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, I think that would be a pretty, I think that would be a pretty fun, interesting uh, way to go. Um, yes. And then some, you know, some other NXT people, uh, yeah, in, Joe in the mix too. yeah, Joe yeah. Gacy, I think would be actually perfect for this and it would get him away from the stuff he's doing in, in NXT, which is ortho and frankly beneath him because he is actually a very talented performer. Um, so yeah, I think this would be, would, would be great for, for some of those guys. Um, yeah, so I do hope that it's that, that that's the direction they're going in. I think it would be cool. I think it might be a slow burn. I think we might get the, these characters revealed slowly over the course of the next couple months or something, right? Maybe by Survivor Series, we're going to have the uh, the whole team in place or something. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens, but I'm looking forward to SmackDown for sure. Yeah, my hope is in watching that thing from Extreme Rules. Like, I'm with you. I would hope that Wyatt has a little bit of a group, whether it's a faction or a couple people that are with him or whatever. 
But my hope is that the Firefly Funhouse stuff is over. I, I want the Extreme Rules, what we saw there, to be the exit of that. Like, that's kind of like, here, this is what I was doing. This is sort of who we were. Now their life size are going to go off and do their own thing and run away. Do what, I don't know what they're going to try to set. I just don't want to see it again. I, I don't want mm. these people to come out as Mercy the Buzzard. I don't want them to come out as Abby. The, I don't want any of that supernatural crap to go right. with Bray Wyatt. I don't think it works. I think it pigeonholes the character. I think anybody who wrestles him is screwed. Like right. I just, there were so many times when he was the fiend that I felt as though WWE had backed themselves into a major corner. And I don't want that to happen with Bray Wyatt. I think Bray Wyatt should be elevated way up to the top of the card and that he should be very difficult to beat. And he is one of the strongest competitors in WWE uh, and he's hard to beat, but I don't want him to make him impossible to beat because he's got this supernatural thing going on. I hope that goes away. I just think they absolutely should have used extreme rules to say, this is where we were. These guys are leaving and there's new, new Bray Wyatt is back. Um, and with the lantern and some sort of version mashup of his old whatever. But I don't know. I'm really curious to see this mask, obviously, that he's wearing now. I'm assuming will have something to do with his new character. They're going to sell a boatload of that merchandise. I guarantee it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. We'll find out on Friday. I was a little disappointed that he didn't make an appearance on Monday's Raw. They just showed the highlights from the Extreme Rules again. And then they had like a little video clip of him with the mask saying, Revel in what you are over and over and over and over again. Um, but I guess if you're going to slow play this, like you said, as long as you give little teasers and little nuggets, then it's mm. okay. Let's talk a little bit about Monday's Raw. Let's shift gears a bit. Um, just because so much happened. It was the season premiere of Raw, and there was a lot to go through. I don't know that we necessarily need to go in order, but let's talk about some of the biggest things that happened on the show. Uh, one, there were rumors that the Good Brothers were making their way back to WWE. We caught wind of that about a few hours before the show aired. I did not assume it would be on Monday. I thought maybe right. they'd come down. They showed up on Monday. Like AJ Styles gets called out by Finn Balor. He comes down and says, hey, yeah, you're right. I probably need some friends. Me going out alone is not a good idea. He teases that he's going to join Judgment Day. And then he says, no, no, no. I wasn't really talking about you. And out come Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. And they fight. Mm. On paper, this is great. I yeah. love Judgment Day and the OC battling as factions. Uh, it makes a lot of sense now why Balor was attacking AJ Styles, why AJ Styles then was to go and recruit his buddies to help him out. I am not big on Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, though. Right. I do. I am a little concerned with the way they left the company, what they said when they left, mm -hmm. their attitudes. Carl Anderson, that dude, I don't know. Like, I listen and watch him. He's a goof. Like, it just says some just wacky things. I don't know, but it sounds like WWE has been interested in bringing them back for a while. So they're yeah. under contract and they're on the roster and it's yeah. listed on WWE.com that they are now officially WWE superstars. So this is not a one-off. This is not right. like a lead up to a pay-per-view. In fact, what I'm hearing is that they're going to continue to let him, or at least the one time wrestle for new Japan to defend his never open way championship, probably drop it and then come back to WWE, which mm. happens on the same night as crown jewel. So he's not going to that one if that's true. Mm -hmm. So they obviously have longer term plans for these guys. What did you mm -hmm. make of the return? Um, I actually thought it was really well done. I I I, I love um, anytime anytime Balor and and Styles are together. I think they those two have really good chemistry. Not even just in ring chemistry, just sort of the when they're cutting promos together and stuff. I really like those two together. And I thought Balor really sold sold the whole thing well on Raw. Mm -hmm. um his his sort of facials when uh when when you know when 
Gallows and Anderson returned were, were re- really well done. Like I mentioned earlier, it did it did kind of kill their moment the momentum that they had gained from Extreme Rules a little bit because you know they get you know they get they get worked over here. Um, but you know they can they can recover pretty quickly. But yeah, so I mean I mean just certainly looking forward to seeing where this goes. I mean I I you know <laughs> Gallows and Anderson are you know what you said is true. I think they I think they kind of are normally you know always they're always working i think um i think they understand the business pretty well and they're just always always angling for an angle i guess and um yeah but i could certainly see why they're not everybody's cup of tea i usually enjoy watching them although i did find their you know their wwe run the 2016 to 2020 run was pretty underwhelming and then of course their recent AEW run was basically nothing they were just there to stand next to kenny omega while he was champion um but overall i think they've you know they've done they've accomplished a lot in their career and deservedly so their 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 work in japan was was largely stellar i actually think anderson when he's at his best is is an incredible worker um so yeah i think they're certainly i don't know i don't know if i would necessarily say that they are assets to the wwe locker room but um but i think i think it's probably a good thing that they're there for sure yeah, I mean, it's going to absolutely elevate their, you know, if you want to call it the faction division, because he is Triple H is heavily working with these factions. It's going to help the tag team division. So there are pluses to this. It's not like, you know, whatever. Luke Gallus has a lot of history in WWE going all the way back to when he was, what, Festus or something? Like, he's been in WWE on and off for years. So if they're, you know, if they're part of this team and they want to be players and they're happy to be there, and okay, cool. Like, I, I'm up for it, but... I just got this feeling like on their last run that they were just so bitter with the way that they left and were released after being signed to new contracts that I didn't ever see them coming back, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a surprise to me. Uh, Brock Lesnar also makes a return to WWE. I did not see this one coming. Makes a lot of sense that it's the season premiere of Raw and a big name like that would show up. I love it. Like, I absolutely love that he's going after Lashley. And we're going to get Lesnar and Lashley, too. I also love that you don't need the title around Lashley's waist to have this feud. So get rid of it. Get it on Seth Rollins. Uh, I thought that was set up very nicely that Lashley, you know, takes a beating. We don't necessarily know why, but we could probably date it back to the Royal Rumble when Lesnar lost uh, and Lashley was a heel. He's just out to get revenge a little bit, I guess. And Seth Rollins takes advantage of it, you know, cons Lashley in by, you know, questioning his patriotism and what have you, which we all know that Lashley, with his former uh, background, is going to accept. And he loses. Um, so he's got the title off of him. Seth Rollins has it now, which I think is great for the United States Championship. I love Lashley and Lesnar, too. I think this is going to be awesome. Don't know when they're going to do it, but I think it's really cool. And anytime Lesnar comes back, it's a big pop. Fans love it. So what did you make of his return? Uh, yeah, I thought it was really well done. And I think, yeah, I think certainly, um, you know, what else can you do with Lesnar other than have him feud with Lashley right now? I think it's the best. I think if you're if you you're bringing Lesnar back into the fold, and you're looking at that roster and you're looking at that, you know, the card and the way the cards and the way the show's being booked. I think that's the most logical place to put him really. Um, yeah. So, so I'm looking forward to seeing where they go from, from, from here. Um, yeah. And it's probably a good decision too. I think, you know, Rollins has lost a lot of matches this, this year. He's lost a lot of matches on pay-per-view this year. Um, so there's, you know, there's m- multiple ways to look at this. One is that you could say, does he really deserve to be champion if you're looking at it on paper? 
right? If they did do rankings, he wouldn't really be in contention because he's lost so much this year. But, you know, in the real world, because he's put so many people over this year, he deserves a run as as United States champion at the very least, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, happy for Rollins. Um, intrigued to see who, who you know, who's, chal- who's going to challenge Rollins for, the t- for that title. I would like to see that title get built up a bit more. I think Lashley did a pretty good job of getting the ball rolling on that. Don't really want to see it uh, flip-flopping back and forth between people anymore. Um, it's a you know it's historically a prestigious a prestigious title and it just hasn't been booked that way for the last couple of years. So yeah, I'm hoping they can fix that. Yeah, I think putting it on Seth Rollins does accomplish that because mm-hmm. if there's anybody like Lashley's way over and he's awesome, but if there's anybody at his level or even higher, it's Seth Rollins. So I don't mm-hmm. think you're going to have that title around Seth Rollins' waist and then have it leave his waist right away. Right. I think this puts him in some matches with some really good, strong mid card guys like you talked about Ricochet. I could see something like that. You know, those types of wrestlers where there's going to be some pretty great A matches that Rollins will win. So I think mm. it'll give him some of those wins back. It'll put that title in a good spot. It'll elevate some people who are going to wrestle Seth Rollins. I think that's going to be good, too. Speaking of guys who have lost a lot, Austin Theory loses again. He has lost so many times. Johnny Gargano beat him in what I guess is the student versus teacher match that they had here. I get it. Austin Theory owns the money in the brief briefcase. He could lose every match until he cashes that in. Then we're all going to forget that he lost all those matches because he's now got the title. But so you can afford this, I suppose. But do you think this hurts Austin Theory? Like he keeps losing. Like this mm-hmm. is not, I know wins and losses aren't that huge a thing. But when you have a guy like Austin Theory, who is really, if you had to pick pillars in WWE, he might be one of them. Mm-hmm. He keeps losing. So how problematic is that? Or is it at all? Yeah, it's certainly an interesting choice. Uh, I guess I guess that money in the bank briefcase makes him impervious to whatever the uh, you know theoretical negative impact of consistently losing is. Although we, like I said, we just saw Rollins win win a title despite losing a bunch this year too. Um, yeah, it's weird. He, I mean, he's young. He will cover. He's losing to people who are you know, who, who are, are better than him on paper. So, it, you know, there's not, there's no like sort of, you know, there's, there's no conflict, logical sort of conflict there. It makes sense that he would lose to Johnny Gargano because Johnny Gargano is a better wrestler than Austin Theory. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say really. I don't think, I think it, it is going to make it, I mean, we all know when he, if, and when he does cash in, he's going to do it in a very sneaky heelish uh, dastardly way regardless so I guess it doesn't really matter if he's winning or not beforehand so yeah I want to talk before we close things off here about my winner and loser for the show so my winner uh, was I mean there was some really cool stuff you'll see the Lesnar thing Dominic Mysterio was so booed when he yeah. opened his mouth after hitting his dad <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like this is great like this is exactly what WWE wants for Dominic like it's just perfect right mm. he was just absolutely booed out of the, to the point where he couldn't say what he wanted to say mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. could tell the other people in judgment day like dude just eat this up like this is yeah. perfect this is exactly what you want let it fester like don't rush this let it sink in they're booing you that's exactly what you want I thought that was a huge win the lose for me was DX. I did not right. like this close. I did not like really their involvement in it. I get it. They're just doing nostalgia stuff. Mm-hmm. This is probably the last time we're going to see them. Uh, maybe if ever, because mm-hmm. even Shawn Michaels alluded to it. He's like, if we're doing this again in 25 years. Put us out of our misery. Like we, mm-hmm. we are old and whatever. I thought Road Dog was somewhat of a nuisance. Uh, mm-hmm. I liked X-Pac was my favorite of all of them. He gave a <laughs> yeah. shout out to China and I thought he was very professional. Yeah. The rest of them were, it was just goofy. I get that was the plan. That was the intention. 
I just was a little much for me. And to close the show and not really take advantage of you putting anybody else over or whatever, I didn't love it. I get it. Nostalgia, decent way to close the show. Just didn't love it. Yeah, Judgment Day should have come and beat them up or something, right? I mean, yeah, it was kind of silly, goofy. I think they dressed... I mean, look, I loved DX as much as anyone back in the day. I was a big DX fan. I had a DX t-shirt. I used to do suck it's on the soccer field, just like anyone. This was kind of like... I I think they drastically overestimate their... um, sort of uh sort of importance in the in the grand scheme of things yeah like i think they kind of think of themselves a lot more highly than than uh fans actually currently think of them um you're right about road dog i think x park is the best i think if we're talking ideologically in real life uh x park is certainly the most x park is certainly the most bearable uh mem like former member of dx um he's 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 just a really good guy uh in in irl um whereas road dog i i I, you know i don't think i wouldn't feel comfortable saying that he's a good person um yeah so it was just kind of kind of goofy and i did write about this as well it was cool to uh see Corey graves vaguely allude to to scissor me daddy ass yeah how's he call he referencing one of the most over things in wrestling is office supplies i mean it's perfect right like so i mean it was really it wasn't it wasn't terrible but i just i thought that was a lose for me the one thing i'm curious about and we only have about a minute left is i i'm interested in what happens next week uh, because we've Mm. got lashley's challenge lesnar dexter loomis gets a match with the miz if he wins he gets a contract uh there's a lot going on next week so it should be and elias is making his return elias like did we think that was happening? I don't know. Joe Elias. Wow. Yeah. So he's officially coming back. No more Ezekiel, it doesn't seem. Mm. So Elias has grown a beard, a full-on beard in two months, mm-hmm. which is really impressive because I can't mm. grow one like that in two years. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. Anyway, Norman, I appreciate it. That was a fun rundown of both Extreme Rules and Monday Night Raw. Uh, for everybody else that is listening to this, we appreciate that you're doing so. Check it out on your favorite podcast platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, where we get your podcasts give us a five-star rating on apple Podcasts. we greatly appreciate it and until we get another chance to talk to you on the podcast check out the sportster.com for all the news and rumors and we'll keep up to you on these shows so norman thanks and we'll talk to you next time Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 